Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston and Wayne Shepard talk about the importance of reconciliation with your teen. Let's listen in. We're going to talk about reconciliation today, but a question for you as we start. Does it ever seem hopeless for families that things will ever change? You know, I think a lot of families go through situations where they pile up so many hurts that it gets in the way of relationships. It really builds walls and Given an extraordinary amount of time, walls are built up so big that reconciliation does not happen except at major intersections or at uh, major points in life where there's a death or somebody passes. points, yeah. It is. Then they go, okay, now we see that all those things we've been holding on to aren't quite as big as we thought. How sad it is that we wait until crisis points to find out all the baggage we carry against one another. Um, has been worthless. I mean, it's just been worthless to carry it and how it's really dragged us down in the process. And sometimes uh, it, it never happens, and you see the tragedy of that in a family, and you think it's got to be worth the pain to sit down and work this out and to reconcile with each other. It is. I think we have a tough time doing that. I, and I, you know what? I think that's when pride gets in the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, pride keeps us from moving in a positive direction in relationships whether we've hurt people or we have been hurt by people, it's very difficult. But you know what? Christ empowers us to get through that stuff. And, I, and it always happens in relationships with kids. Our kids will hurt us, and we will hurt our kids. You made a statement in one of your email newsletters that you said reconciliation lets them know, lets our teens know, for instance, that you intend to keep your relationship alive even if they don't make the same move towards you. That really is a theme for our program today. It is. You know, reconciliation is a balancing. I mean, it's where the balancing a checkbook, the difference between credit and debits, who owes me what and what I owe somebody else. Reconciliation is important. We're going to dig deeper now into this subject of reconciliation with our teens today. Mark, it's almost like there's a standoff in the family. Uh, who's going to take responsibility? You know, the person who's responsible is each person there. I mean, there is a side of it that, by golly, somebody has got to step forward and say, I want something to be different. People hurt people. I mean, and, and I as a parent will hurt my child and my child will hurt me. And I can be justified as a parent to act and feel and do anything that I want because I've been hurt enough that I can make sure that I can justify my actions. Well, but at some point, you got to let it go. At some point, you got to move on with life because that's not what God has called you as, as a parent. He's called you to move toward your child in such a way that you can reconcile the relationship. And there, and there's two things. I mean, I think there's reconciliation, but I think there's also restoration. Mm. And reconciliation is just kind of zeroing out everything. Right. It's when my debits and credits match out. I mean, my degree is in in finance, and I know what reconciliation of bank statements <laughs> is, and I know reconciling a, uh, a checkbook. And how hard that can be sometimes. It can be. You zero it out. You find the things that it's a give and take, but somewhere you zero it out, meaning that you owe me nothing and I owe you nothing. And that's a, you, you kind of clear the stage for the restoration 
of the relationship to happen. And that's where you move back into relationship and restore it, building it again, because God would desire for us to do that. If we don't ever zero things out and say, okay, you owe me nothing and lower that expectation, then we will always have that other person looking at us thinking, well, I owe them something. I owe them. Nobody owes us anything. And I think it's very difficult for us to feel that, that our child owes us nothing, but at the same time, they're demanding everything. Well, I need to zero that out for myself and learn to have a relationship with my child in such a way that that even if they are entitled, even if they are demanding and selfish, that I can still move toward them. You move around the country and give uh, seminars, and you were telling me of a conversation you had with a dad during one of those seminars recently. I always ask families at this thing to fill out a card and say, what one question do you have that you would like to have answered at this seminar? And this one man wrote something very simple. He said, um, I am mad at God for giving me the son that I have. Mm. I hate my son, I'm beginning to hate myself, and I hate God for what has happened. Oh, it's terrible. There's some work to be done it, there, huh? It, it is. And, and I think what gets so confusing with that type of relationship with a child is that a dad is forgetting the role that he is playing. And I met with the man later, and I said, you know, I think what happens in this situation is the expectations are so high that you don't know how to handle the unmet expectations. He wanted his son to be all these different things than who he really is. He really thought that God would only provide good things for him, and God does, but God also allows some other things to come in our life to hone us and to sharpen us and to mold us into people that he would desire for us to be. And so he just couldn't quite get that expectation level down about God, about his son, and then even about himself. He was out of control. He could not control the situation, so he felt like that he must be a miserable person. I mean, so he's learned to hate that which he cannot conquer. And somewhere, the mentality of that I've got to conquer everything can be riddled with pride that I want it to be my way. It's selfishness that says it's got to be just like this. And so I took this man and I said, you know— I said, bud, you can't, you can't live life this way or you will die early. You can't go through life with such high expectations because nobody can live up to those. And somewhere you've got to learn to let it go. And this is where God is looking at you saying, you can let these things go. Cast those burdens upon me. Let me take them because quite honestly, you can't handle them. Reconciliation is hard work. Oh, it's no easy thing at all. But it's worth it. I mean, is it helpful to imagine what the reconciliation will be like after we've done the hard work to give us courage to go through the process? I think it is, but it's so hard to see. You know, I've mentioned a number of times on the on the program that my son went through a divorce years ago. He is trying now to reconcile relationships with all of his past friends, people who are in his wedding, people who are his best man, you know, Everybody. I he's mean, been he, intentional about that. He's been very intentional. He has been wrong. I mean, there's no doubt. And he would look at you and stand before anybody and say, I was wrong in what I did. It was out of line. It was inappropriate. It was unbiblical. All those things. But he has repented and moved to a point where he says, now I want to reconcile relationships around me. I want to clear the stage so we can build new relationships of restoration. And so he's gone to people. Let me tell you something. It has not been an easy thing to do at all. It's not easy. It's not fun. But he knows that he's supposed to do that because he can't quit loving other people in the process. 
What if I want reconciliation, let's say with my teenager, uh, who has given us such heartache and such grief, and I want that reconciliation, and I, I signal that I want that, and I take steps towards that, but I'm rejected. The control of your life should not be determined by the response of your child. You know, if you are called to reconcile a relationship, then you need to keep moving toward that relationship over and over again. No matter how long it takes? No matter how they respond either. It doesn't. It may take 40 years for that to happen. It may take one dinner. It may take two months. And you've seen all of the above, haven't I, you? I really have. I've seen the whole gamut of it. But, but the point is, I'm not going to let somebody control me for what God has called me to do. Because he has called me to reconcile relationships. It, it is the way that I can be to other people how God is to me. If I feel like I have offended God, God's always knocking on my door and going, Mark, Mark, hey, you know, I want to have a relationship with you. And so the same way with people that I have done damage to or have damaged me, I need to constantly move toward them because everybody will fall into those two categories. What does it look like? What are, what are some of the marks of, of true reconciliation? You know, I think the, that there's action that says I'll move toward them. It doesn't look for justification of actions. A lot of times people will go and they want to reconcile a relationship and they bring a list. And I tell them all the time, don't write it down. Mm. I had a young man sit with me once and, and, uh, and he said, I've got a list of about 12 things I want to talk to you about. And I looked at him and I said, I'm guilty of all those. I, we don't need to talk about them. I'm guilty. There was no justification. Doesn't that short-circuit the process, though? Doesn't he have to express it? Well, sometimes he does, but sometimes he just, he just wants justice. He doesn't want reconciliation is what I felt. And what I wanted to move him to was that, you know, I want you to love me even when I do wrong. I don't want you to just love me when I'm doing well because I have wronged you. And so when he would say, well, you did this and you acted this way, instead of defending him, I just said, you're right, I did. Hmm. What you do is pull the fuse out of the firecracker by admitting those things that you've done wrong. Now it can't explode on you anymore. And what that does, it sets up the arena where the other person, and in particular this young man, he sits across, he goes, well, I did this to you as well. And I said, I know. And he said, well, why don't you say anything? I said, because it really doesn't matter. Because if we get to that point that are you going to be two up on me or three up or four down? Yeah. I want to reconcile. Reconcile is this. It's zeroing out. Nobody owes anybody anything. But I always want to communicate that I want to have a relationship with you. And, and you said earlier that it manifests itself differently in different situations. I mean, sometimes it's instantaneous and People come together and realize their mistake, and other times it's a process, a long process. It is. There's another man that walked—I I performed a wedding last year, and this man walked up to me afterwards, and he said, I want you to know you hurt me 20 years ago. And I said, I want you to know that I am sorry that I did. I would not have handled the situation today as I did back then. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot, even through the divorce of my own son. I've learned how to respond differently to the divorce situation. And he said, well, I just don't know whether I can have a relationship with you. And I said, well, I hope that you do. I want to have a relationship. I hope that that two months of me acting terribly toward you and judging you doesn't destroy a relationship that we've had for 20 years. You know, that's all you do. Well, you know what? I haven't heard from him. Hmm. You know, I have not gotten anything from him. We may never resolve it this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. But what I do know, though, is, is that God has called me to go to him, and, and I can't quit doing that. And so even a parent who says, well, I have every reason in the book 
to not go to my child. I go, you know what? You need to reconcile and zero it out and move toward them. Every parent thinks they're ready. You made it through the first 12 years after all. But then your child becomes a teenager, and all of a sudden, it's like the parenting rules changed and nobody told you what they are. Your kids completely change their interests, hobbies, appearance, vocabulary, and even their priorities and values. Some parents try to power through, continuing to parent their 16-year-old the same way they parented their 12-year-old. That plan is doomed to failure. Your child is too valuable to fail them now. That's why Mark Gregson wrote Tough Guys and Drama Queens, to help parents understand the changing world of today's teens and how parents can meet the unique challenges facing their children this day and age. Tough Guys and Drama Queens is both a hard-hitting look at what makes modern teens different from any generation that's come before, and practical advice to help parents overcome today's hurdles and retain a relationship with their teens that will last into their adult years. With spiritual truth, practical insights, and proven techniques, Tough Guys and Drama Queens is a book that belongs in every parent's library. Get your copy at parentingteenresources.org. Well, let's spend some time talking about stories of reconciliation. Mark, I know you have many of them, and I think what this can do for those of us who are going through a a time of considering reconciliation or just living through the pain of it right now, it can give us some hope of what life might look like on the other side. It is, and I'll tell you a story of a wise father who who knew how to handle it and uh, reminds me of the father and the story of the prodigal. There was a young man that I picked up years ago. I write about it in a, in a number of different articles that he punched me when I went to pick him up, knocked me out. The only time I've been knocked out, and uh, I laid on the ground What thinking, haven't you experienced? Well, well, I laid on the ground thinking, has God really called me to do this? <laughs> yeah, I would think and, so. <laughs> uh, and anyway, so the young man lived with us for a while. A few years later, his sister came and lived with us who was struggling through some things. She really worked for us. I had to fire her when we started Heartlight 20 years ago. I hired her back, and she came back on our staff. A year and a half later, I had to fire her again. Mm. Through the years, we have kept in touch with each other. I've tried to love her even though I've had to fire her. Twice. (laughs) And it it is, but we've had a great relationship. I've known her now for almost 25 years, and she had a real uh, time of being put out with her mom and dad, and so they separated, estranged as a married couple and two kids, estranged herself from her family. And uh, as I would talk to the dad and as I would talk to her, I, I really thought they've got to get back together. I can't just sit here. A lot of years have gone by. It has. It has. I just can't sit here and not have them get back together. And so the dad called me and said, can you set up a time for us to get together? And I said, absolutely. And so we met at Heartlight, and I got them all in one room, and and immediately I said, why don't we open this thing up in a word of prayer? Let's talk just a little bit, and because I know there's a number of things that we need to discuss. And so I prayed, and, the, and so the, the young lady said, well, here's some things that concern me, and, and the dad put up his hands. Now, this is the wise father. He's now, he's, now 70 years yeah, old. getting up there in age. He is, and he said, can I stop everything for just a minute? And he looked, and he said, I know that I have made mistakes. I know that I have harmed every one of you in this room. I know that I have done damage. 
I know that I have not done things right. I know that I'm wrong, and I am guilty of everything that you say. And I mean, I just sat this there. This is before he heard the list of it, charges against it, him. It was. And this young lady wanted to read them because she wanted justice. She didn't get the bigger picture. And uh, her husband just starts crying. I start crying. And what I'm seeing is this man asking for forgiveness. And doesn't mean that it's perfect, mm-hmm. but it means that we, we can we let some things go so that we can have a better relationship in the future. And what ended up happening is within 10, 15 minutes, I mean, they were hugging each other and crying and, and committing themselves to relationships. I mean, reconciliation was happening. Could it have happened 20 years earlier, though? It could not have. When you look back at it, the way that that God planned this thing out and what he created in both sets of people along the way, it's almost as if God's timing wanted it to take this long to create certain things within them. Well, let's admit it. It was perfect timing on his part. It was. I mean, here's a girl that I had to fire a couple of times. Here's a young man who's done atrocious things. Here's a dad who's been terrible and a mom that hasn't stepped up where she's needed to. I mean, it was a pathetic mess. And God took this situation and allowed each one of them to be honed and sharpened and molded into godly, godly people. And and now you look at it and understand God was using every one of those situations. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.